Well, this morning we have a, a unique privilege. Um, first of all, there's just there are few words that I'd rather say this morning than um, that all I need is Him. And the Father and His love would send Jesus uh, for us. There's a ransom and a rescue for us this morning. There's, there's no greater hope. There's no greater thing we could say or sing or stand on this morning. So I'm just glad that you're here. Hopefully um, you're already just centered in and dialed into that. But uh, no, I'm not preaching this morning, if that's what you thought. Um, there's two people that are disappointed. Um, I was waiting for the Oz, but uh, two people. So it's all good. Um, but even a better treat than that, a uh, good friend of mine. I'm so excited uh, to introduce to you a great friend of mine. And uh, we've been able to team up on a few things over the past four or five years together. And um, I've been trying to get him here for like four years. Um, as long as we've been doing stuff together, I've been trying to get him here. And it just worked out this year. I know some of you are disappointed about future forestry, but I'm just telling you, um, maybe we'll bring them back next year. But this is way cooler than that this year, okay? Um, and, and I just need to tell you that... Uh, the man is about to take the stage. Um, he has a little different skin color than me. And so in that, um, he, he requires a little different response. Um, Albert Tate is a pastor at Lake Avenue Church in, in Pasadena, California. And uh, he's mentored by one of my great heroes, Brian Loritz, who's a pastor of fellowship in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. And uh, they're, they're all about building multicultural, multi-ethnic churches right there in the heart of the city. And, and, and the kingdom of God isn't just white people, just in case you forgot about that. Um, uh, so I just want to make sure we know that um, before our friend comes up. But uh, man, this morning you are going to be moved by, by my friend. And uh, I just would love for you to welcome with me and get ready to hear from God through our great friend, uh, Albert Tate. Will you welcome him with me? Stop. Cornerstone, how y'all doing? Y'all good? I'm telling you, I am so glad to be here. Uh, Giving honor to your pastor, Pastor Lynn, and my homeboy, my good friend, uh, Brian. I'm just, I'm just praying, Brian, meet Jesus one of these days. I'm just, <laughs> well, if that boy gets saved, he's going to really be good, ain't he? <laughs> you know? No, nah, I'm telling you, I love that brother. Uh, he's been so so good to be and such a great friend. And I'm just excited to be here. Any chance we have to open up the Word of God together uh, just excites me and it gets me up this morning. Um, uh, one, one of the things though, I, I don't have a lot of time because I see this clock, y'all white people, y'all believe in getting out on time. Uh, I know that. Um, and got this clock right here already counting down on me. Y'all, y'all know this clock is like kryptonite to a black preacher. This is rough up here. This is, just calling me. So normally I take a long time, tell you a whole lot about my family and all this stuff. Oh, I just don't have that kind of time this morning. I just don't have that kind of time. So I'll just tell you like this. I saw this fine girl one day. I got a number. Uh, we kissed, got married, kissed some more, had two kids. Matthew chapter one is where you can find me. Matthew chapter one. Uh, as we continue uh, in this series, Part in the Interruption. Uh, today we will grab one that was interrupted uh, by the advent of Jesus Christ, and that was Joseph. Uh, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Joseph. So if you will, read with me in the Word of God, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and it reads, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, 
but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Uh, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much. Uh, we thank you for the privilege, uh, this opportunity to open up your word. I just pray that you would stand in my body, uh, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, may they be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name, every heart said amen. 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 Uh, th this morning, I want to talk about Mary's baby's daddy. Uh, uh, my, my man, Joseph. Joseph, I'm telling you, he's probably one of the most underappreciated characters in Scripture. Joseph just gets no love. He just, I'm sorry, gets no love. Um, Joseph doesn't receive adequate appreciation from the body of Christ in a way that's honoring of the position and the role that he was called to execute. Uh, y'all got it? He, he gets no love, y'all. He, he gets no love. We give... We give Joe Jackson more love than we give Joseph. We, we more excited about Michael and what Joe did for Michael than, than what Joseph did. Mary got religions. People give her too much love. And here, Joseph, we barely even mention them. It's like Father's Day. What did you get your Father's Day this year for, for, for Father's Day? Don't worry, I'll wait. You can't even remember, can you? See, fathers just get no love. This morning, we want to take time and honor Joseph in his contribution, and more importantly, the implications of his sacrifice that we benefit from daily. Now, normally, uh, most good preachers, if they're good, they'll have three points. I only got one, so you just do the math. You just work it out. I, but I, I, it'll be one good one. But, but we're going to talk about the story of Joseph. We're just going to talk about Joseph's story. First thing we need to understand is that Joseph and Mary they had this thing called uh, being betrothed to one another. They were betrothed to one another. It, it's not quite like engagement. It's a whole new kind of Facebook status. I know you got single in a relationship. It's complicated. And um, then you got engaged and you got married. This will be somewhere in between engaged and married. It's more than being engaged, but it's a little less than being married. Uh, only thing keeping them from a full-out marital status is the consummation of the relationship. Uh, I'm sorry, consummation. Um, they hadn't, how do I say this in church? They hadn't, they hadn't had dessert yet. Uh, <laughs> They hadn't had the first dance. Uh, 
They hadn't consummated. They hadn't had sex yet. Uh, so, 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 so every, that's the only thing that was missing. But everything else, they were in this relationship. They, they, they were committed to one another. As a matter of fact, they couldn't even get out of it at this point. At this point of their courtship, they were, they were locked in. And the only way to get out of being married, they would have to go through an actual divorce uh, process. Uh, back, back then, they would arrange these marriages. I, I, I love it. I kind of want to go back into that. I got two little girls. I'm thinking about doing this to them. You just pick another family, and you be like, y'all good people, we good people. Let's have our people make little people. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, let's, let's put them all together. And they would sit, and they would arrange the marriage. And a part of the arrangement was, was you would set up a dowry, which was like this, it's like a prenup without the divorce. It was this sweet deal where the family of the bride would just get stuff. You'd sit down and be like, okay, for my daughter, I want three cows, two goats, and a pig. Um, and then you get my daughter, uh, you know, and, and you kind of negotiate these terms. Well, with Joseph and Mary, all that was settled. All the terms were negotiated. Everything was a done deal. They were connected with each other. So you could imagine Joseph's surprise when he comes home one day and Mary says, Joseph, we need to talk. Uh, uh, she's like, uh, Joseph, uh, okay. let's, let's, let's talk about our highs and lows from the day. Uh, <laughs> Because you're going to think I was high today when I tell you what I have to tell you. Um, I'm sorry, high. Um, intoxicated by artificial stimulus uh, in a way that clouds judgment and accurate reflection. Oh, okay. High, high. Um, so Joseph comes in and Mary's like, okay, Joseph, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Uh, uh, bad news is... I'm pregnant, and you are not the father. Um, it's like an episode of Maury Povich or something. Uh, you are not the father. Uh, but the good news, Joseph, is uh, the Holy Spirit is the father. I can just see Joseph packing his bags. He's like, oh, the Holy Spirit, huh? Well, you tell the Holy Spirit to come pay this light bill because I'm getting out of here. You, you know what I'm saying? Can't you just see Joseph just packing his bags? As a matter of fact, the text says, he says, because he was a righteous man, he was going to put her away quietly. Notice that it's not an issue. It's not if I'm going to put you away. It's how I'm going to put you away. Either way, you going away. You know what I mean? He, he's like, it's over. This relationship is over. You go, you, we get a divorce. That's it. But then before he operates and moves too, too rashly, he goes to sleep. I, I don't know if Mary put a little Tylenol PM in his coffee or what. You know, women, y'all, you know, that's another sermon. That's another sermon. But, you know, she, she, she aided him. Just, honey, just take a nap first. Just take a nap. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to do after my wife tells me that is take a nap. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to believe that he fell into this divine sleep. Um, and this angel speaks to him. And this angel speaks to Joseph and says, take Mary as your wife. Now, you got to understand how hard and how challenging that is. Because for him to now take Mary, who's already pregnant as his wife, society and everyone knows that he and Mary should not have had sex yet. They, they, they hadn't consummated the marriage yet. So for them to go at this stage of their, of their being betrothed, and for them to go and for her to be pregnant carries a, a covering of guilt and shame. Not only that, but she will be held guilty of adultery. And back then, in some extreme cases, you could be stoned to death for adultery. So for Joseph to take her as his wife was a huge sacrifice because that means he's going to take her on 
amidst the shame and the embarrassment. Not to mention, Mary wasn't really all that to begin with. I'm sorry, all that. She wasn't a whole lot. Uh, I don't even know how to interpret that for you. Uh, Mary, Mary, she was from Nazareth. Don't, y'all, all and me, don't, all me, all the Bible. Um, she's from Nazareth, which is some little podunk town that, that they said when, when they heard that Jesus was from Nazareth, you remember what they said? They said, Nazareth? Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Can you imagine telling somebody your neighborhood and they say, really? I, can, can anything good come from there? So she's from this rough town, poor, not really well off. Secondly, she's not that cute. Albert, what do you mean? Well, she's not, well, come on now. The book of Isaiah, it says that Jesus was not one that, was, was, that you would desire to look upon. Uh, that's Isaiah saying Jesus wasn't that attractive. Well, if Jesus wasn't all that cute, let's see. Where did he get his looks from? We got two options. We got the Holy Spirit, and I ain't going there. And we got Mary. Uh, as the song says, he get it from his mom. Uh, so according to Isaiah, she's probably not the most attractive in the world. And now Joseph has found out she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And now this angel is speaking to him saying, trust me, take her as your wife, be with her, walk with her. And that's not even the most difficult thing. So he, he, he does that, does that. But the second thing is even more challenging. He says, and you will name him Jesus. Now, now, now you got to understand culturally here, Joseph's one of the greatest joys, one of his greatest joys would be for him to name his firstborn son. Because firstborn son, the name meant more than just what I call you, but there was a birthright that came with your firstborn son. We know that Joseph's father was a carpenter because Joseph was a carpenter, and the family's business was passed down from generation to generation. You did what the family did, and your name gave you identity, and your name pointed you to who you were and to whose you were. Your name pointed it pointed you to who you were and to whose you were. So Joseph was looking forward to being able to name his firstborn son because his son would carry the birthright, would carry the identity of the family, would carry the tradition, the heritage, the legacy, and the firstborn son would be the one to pass it all down. So now he's denied the right to be able to identify and to name and to shape his firstborn son. He has to sacrifice that and he has to be named Yeshua, Jesus, because Joseph cannot name him. He gives up his right to name his own son. Because who you are is shaped by whose you are. Who you are is shaped by whose you are. And Joseph couldn't name Jesus Joseph Jr., because then Jesus would have pointed to Joseph. No, 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 no. Jesus had to point to whose he was. It had to point to one greater than him. It had to point to God. So he had to be named Jesus, the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, because who you are points to whose you are. Uh, Y'all ain't getting it. Let me help you. Um, 
I grew up in Pearl, Mississippi, a little country town, uh, probably a lot like Nazareth, a lot, a lot like Mary's place, uh, a lot of, not, not a lot of popularity, a little, little rural country, little town, but there was some beauty about it because everybody knew each other. Uh, the community knew each other. My mother, my mother played the piano at the little local church there, little church. My grandfather was one of the preachers there in the community, preached over 40-something years. So I was known in the community uh, by whose I was. Uh, people would see me. My mama's name was Connie. People would see me and say, oh boy, I know you, you Connie's boy. Yeah, I know you. I went to school with Connie. I grew up with Connie. I saw Connie over at the church. I know you, you good people, boy. You come from good stock because I know who you are. You Connie's boy. I know you because you Connie's boy. He said, I, I know who you are. I, I know who you are. You come from good people, boy. I know your granddaddy the preacher. I was like, boy, I know who you are. You come from good people. You Connie's boy. Now, interesting enough, I was the youngest of, of three children. My two older sisters, we'd all went to the schools. I'd have some of their same teachers. It was interesting. When I got in school, I wasn't as studious as my other sisters, and um, uh, my grades weren't as good, and I was all, all lazy and, and, and wasn't doing my work and acting all crazy in school. And I'll never forget teacher looking at my grades, looking at my name, looking at my activities, looking at me and said, you Connie's boy? You, you, you hear the difference? You hear the question mark in that? You, you Connie's boy? Be- because who I was wasn't reflective of whose I was. Uh, uh, who, who I was becoming in the class wasn't reflective of whose I was, and that was a disconnect because whose I was should shape who I was, but who I was wasn't reflecting whose I was, so it created this disconnect. Uh, are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all with me? Uh, Joseph couldn't name Jesus because if Joseph named Jesus Joseph Jr., the best he could do was be a carpenter. Best he could do is point to Joseph. Uh, we didn't need him to point to Joseph. We needed him to point to someone bigger than Joseph because Jesus had a job. He had to save the whole world, and he couldn't save the world building houses. He had to save the world, so Jesus' name pointed him to his heavenly Father, God. Jesus' name pointed him to Yahweh. Jesus' name called him Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus' name pointed him to whose he was, and that shaped who he was, the Savior of the world. That's who he was. And then they invite you and I to come and join this family. They invite you and I to come and to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. So we come as sons and daughters, as children of God, and we're a part of this family. And they call us sons and daughters, and they give us their name. And then that then shapes who we are because of whose we are. We belong to God. We belong to His family. That's whose we are, so now whose we are then should shape who we are. Uh, I guess the question I want to ask this morning, Cornerstone, is who are you? Uh, who are you? I, I, I'll never forget. Uh, in high school, I really struggled a lot because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand a lot of the work. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't understand it. So I got deemed as lazy real early on. Uh, and not too bright. So that was the name that they gave me. And so I started wearing that name. I started wearing that label uh, because my name was Albert, but the labels began to give me my identity. So I saw myself as a failure. I saw myself as lazy. And then I started 
skipping school and going to parties and acting real crazy, and people loved it because I was the life of the party. So they say, Albert, you're crazy. And I started wearing that uh, label. Albert, uh, I started smoking marijuana and, and drinking and doing all kinds of, 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 of immoral activity. Uh, so, so I became a, a, a druggie. Uh, in spite of all of that, though, in spite of all the popularity and all the friends and all the people, at night when I would lay my head to pillow, although I was around a whole lot of people all day long, I would still feel lonely and an outsider because I felt like I was still by myself. Although I had a lot of friends, a lot of people knew me, I still felt like I was all by myself. And these labels began to shape who I was. I wasn't the most attractive, so I was fat, uh, uh, and I started labeling myself as fat, and regardless of how much weight I would lose, it was never enough because I was always still this, uh, this fat kid, and these labels begin to shape me, whether other people put them on me or whether I put them on myself. You're going to always be just like your daddy, and I wear the label, and it would shape who I was, and it began to shape my identity. And, it, and I don't have enough for everybody in this room, but I'm sure we'd run out real quick because I know that there are many of us that walked in this room carrying labels, wearing labels. Some of us labels from 30 years ago. Some of us, regardless of how much, how much we do, how much love we have. You got a husband who tells you he loves you every day, kids that'll run and jump in your lap, but you would still look in the mirror and think, I'm worthless because you're still wearing that label that was put on you from years ago. Some of you, you, you wear this label of, 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 of perfection. I gotta get everything right, and if I don't get everything right, then something's wrong with me because I pride myself on wearing the label of being perfect and getting everything right, and I always gotta do everything right, and you find yourself wearing these names and wearing these labels. Some of us, we wear the label of guilt and shame because of the sin of our past, and even though we're not engaged in the sin anymore, we're still wearing the label. I don't know. I don't know. In a room this size, statistically, maybe somebody in this room had an abortion. And although the abortion was years ago, and you, you moved on with your life, but if you were to be honest this morning, you still wear the guilt and the shame and the regret, and it shapes who you are. Regardless of how much makeup you put on, regardless of how much you do your hair, when you look in your mirror, you still see a failure. Regardless of how much your wife pats you on the back and tells you you're doing a good job, you still feel incompetent. You still feel like it's not enough because you feel like you should be Superman and you fail to realize that even Superman had kryptonite. Even Superman had weaknesses, but you don't allow yourself for weaknesses. You don't give yourself time, room for weaknesses, so you work extra hours and you sacrifice time with the wife and you sacrifice time with the kids because you just want more stuff. You want to be able to get the house you think you should have. You want to be able to get the bigger car, so you just work harder and harder and you wear the label as a provider, not as a challenge and not as a godly call, but as a label of oppression because you feel like if I don't do it, it won't get done, and you've taken the role of God in your life because you're wearing a label that you could never fulfill. There's a story I love to tell. Um, tell it almost everywhere I go. It's uh, Max Licato. Uh, it's, uh, it's a story. I kind of remixed it a little bit. I call it uh, a story about the little wicker people. Uh, 
Uh, the little wicker people lived in this little wicker world, uh, and they had this fine, polished wood. And the dynamic of this little world was that if you did something really well, if you came in first place, if you did something really good, then you'd get a star. Ah, but if you failed miserably, if you weren't that good, then you'd get a dot. Well, there was this little wicker boy that had all the ambition in the world, but absolutely no talent. And he'd try to run and try to come in first place, and he'd end up coming in last, and they'd give him a dot. He'd try to jump really high, and he'd fall and scratch up his wood and they'd give him a dot. The boy had so many dots that folks start giving him dots for having so many dots. He just looked bad. One day he saw this, this fine wicker woman. Uh, some would call her Brick House. Uh, uh, she was made of wood, not brick, so we can't call her Brick House. Uh, she, she didn't have any, any stars or any dots. Uh, her polish and finish was perfection. Uh, this guy came and saw her and said, wow, you don't have any, any, any dots. Look at your, 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 your finish. is so perfect. And he gives her a star, and the star falls off. The little boy, little wicker boy, was amazed. The guy looked, saw a star on the ground, got upset, and gave her a dot, and the dot fell off. Well, the little boy couldn't contain himself. He ran to her and said, how did you do that? She says, do you really want to know? He said, look at me. Of course I want to know. She says, well, meet me here first thing in the morning, and I'll show you. Well, the boy was there, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to go. She comes and says, all right, here it, here it is. I'm going to take you to the wicker maker's house. Well, the little boy heads drop. Says, I can't go to the wicker maker's house. Look at me. Look at what I've done. I can't go to the wicker maker's house looking like this. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed. I, I, I can't show him what I've done to what he created. I can't go. Well, she convinced him. She said, he's waiting on us. He's, he's anticipating our revival. You have to come. So he says, all right, I'll go. So he walks reluctantly. When he gets to the door, he just can't bring himself to knock. He says, I can't do it. And he turns around and walk away, and the wicker maker speaks, and he says, come in, my child. I've been waiting on you. So the little boy walks in, and the wicker maker brings him in and sits him down, and they begin to talk and converse. They had the most amazing conversation. They laughed, and they played, and they told stories, and they just had the most wonderful, amazing time, this amazing time of interaction. And as their time began to wind up, uh, the wicker maker looked at him and said, now, I want you to come, and I want you to sit with me every morning. Just for a few months, I want you to come and spend time with me every morning. The little wicker boy looked up and said, every morning? Wicker maker said, yes, every morning. The little wicker boy started walking away, and he looked back and he said, I'll see you in the morning. Wicker maker said, I can't wait. And when the little boy turned around and walked away, a dot fell off. Because in the presence of the wicker maker, the dots and the stars of this world just fall off. Uh, in the presence of the one that created us, the success and the failure of this world, it changes who we are because we connect it with whose we are. And when we connect with whose we are, it changes who we are. Friends, I'm telling you today, Joseph couldn't have named Jesus because Joseph had to get out of the way and allow Jesus to become 
Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah of the world, because we didn't need a carpenter, somebody to build houses. We needed a Savior, someone that can save us from ourselves and save us from the sin of this world. And Jesus came so that he could give us a new name. He died on Calvary's cross so that the blood streaming down could wash away all of the labels and all of the titles and all of the failures and all the successes of this world. And through the power of Jesus Christ, we are changed. We are transformed by whose we are because when we identify whose we are, he then changes who we are. I'm no longer a fat kid. I'm no longer an addict. I'm no longer an adulterer or a fornicator, but I have been born again. I have been bought with the price because Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Messiah has saved me. He has saved me from myself, saved me from my past, and saved me from my labels. He is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And I'm telling you today, we ought to thank God for Joseph getting out of the way because through the power of Jesus Christ, we don't have to wear these names. We don't have to live in this old identity. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we've got a new name. We've got a new identity. We've got a new family of God. And we don't have to live in the bondage of our sins from yesterday. We don't have to live in guilt and shame. We can live victoriously in the power of Jesus Christ because he has changed my name. I'm telling you this morning, if you came in here wearing labels, you may be 50 years old, but you still see yourself as the little outsider fat girl. You may be a grown man still struggling to try to find love. You still may be haunted by the words that say you're going to be just like your daddy. You ain't going to never amount to nothing. But I'm telling you, hear the words of your heavenly father. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He will never leave you nor for forsake you, and he has a purpose and a plan for you. The question is, Cornerstone, are you wearing his name well? He died on the cross, so you don't have to wear the labels of this world. He died on the cross so you don't have to live victimized by your past. He has given you a new name. He has given you a new identity. The question is, are you wearing his name well? What are you doing with what he's given you? Thank you, Joseph, for getting out of the way. Because with you, the best we could do is build a house. But because of the power of Jesus Christ and his name, the best we could do is build the kingdom of God. Are you building his kingdom with his name this morning? Uh, every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you say, Albert, when you talk about labels, I got some. I got, I got, I got labels. And Albert, if I tell you the truth, I've been wearing mine for years. It's, it's like this voice that's on repeat in my mind, and it keeps telling me who I'm not. 
And I come to church and I hear, I hear this word of God tell me who I am, but there's this voice, Albert, that tells me who I'm not. And I hear that voice over and over and I feel like I'm still that same failure. I feel like I'm still that left out kid from junior high. I still feel like I'm that outsider. And I've been carrying these labels and I've been wearing these labels for years. Well, my brother, my sister, there is good news for you. You don't have to carry those labels any longer. Joseph got out of the way so Jesus could have a name that saves us from our labels. Today, God wants to free you from the chains of your past, from the labels, from the identity that doesn't reflect your identity in Christ. If you're in this room and you say, Albert, I got those labels, but today I want to release them. And I want to exchange those labels for the new name that Jesus has for me. The new name, son and daughter. The new name, righteous. Today I want to receive that new label. If you see those old labels and you're ready to let them go today, I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to require a little courage. It's going to require a little strength. If you want to release those old labels, stand up right where you are right now. Just stand up right where you are. Just stand up. Don't look around. Don't wait. Don't take inventory. Stand to your feet right now. If you know there are labels in your life, if you know there are labels in your life that don't reflect your God-given identity, release them now. Release them now. Some of you, your label isn't your failure, your addiction. Some of you, your, labor, your, your label is your success. Some of you, you you've, you've become intoxicated by your success. Your ability to always get it right. Albert, how do I know if that's me? Because when you get it wrong, you can't stand it. Because you've invested so much time and energy on getting it right. For you to get it wrong, you can't even begin to process it. I would argue that you're not living in the fruit of the grace of God. Because when you get it right, there's no room for God and His grace. When you do it right, that means you're doing it in your strength. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to do it in my strength. And His strength is made perfect. Come here, Paul. Remind us. His strength is made perfect in your strength weakness. Ah, weakness, weakness, weakness. That's a word some of you had heard in a long time because you've been so strong. You've been so faithful. God is saying, I want you to be weak because it's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect in your life. And you've been strong too long. That's why you're so tired. That's why you don't have a lot of grace left. That's why you don't have a lot of energy left. That's why you don't have a lot of love left. Because all of your strength, energy, and love is going into your strength. And this is too heavy for you. What you're trying to carry is too heavy. The marriage is too heavy. The finances, they're too heavy. The children, they're too heavy. This relationship, my son, my daughter, it's too heavy. Your career is too heavy. The ministry, this calling, it's too heavy. This morning, I'm telling you, let me carry you. Let me be your strength. Rest, my weary child. Let me give you 
a new name. If you're standing, lift those hands all over the room. Just lift those hands towards heaven. Father, we come to you with a universal sign of surrender. Our hands are lifted up because it's the universal sign of surrender and it's an outward sign of an internal reality because when you see our hearts this morning, God, we want you to see that we're surrendering. When you see our souls this morning, we want you to see that we're surrendering. See our agenda, see our way, see our habits, our addiction. God, we surrender everything over to you. See our marriage, God, see our hands up, we surrender. Our children, we've been wrestling with them. We've been wrestling, but today we surrender the sickness, the illness. God, we've been trying to figure it out, but today, look at my hands. They're up. I surrender. I've been trying to do it all in my name. I've been even trying to serve you with my name. I've been trying to serve you with these labels, but today, God, I can't do it. I surrender it all to you, and I call on the name that's greater than all names. God, give me a new name, Jesus Messiah, come and save me. Save me from myself. Save me from my mess. Save me from my past. Save me from my success. Save me from my failures. God, save me from other people's opinions. Save me from other people's thoughts about me. God, be Jesus in my life and save me. And God, please be Emmanuel. Be with me. Be God with me. Be, 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 be with me as I walk. This, this dark valley, be with me as I go through difficult times. Be with me as I go through this holiday season where I always cry more than I laugh because of the loneliness that it brings. Be Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah, God be with me. I surrender my name. I surrender my agenda. I surrender all that I am. And I invite you, Jesus, Messiah, save me. Jesus, Emmanuel, be with me. Jesus, I surrender to you. Messiah, give me a new name in Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.